Hello, world. Uh, welcome back to the second episode of Women in Audio Podcast. Woohoo! Um, to, on today's episode, I will be interviewing a new friend of mine. Her name is Anna. She works as a monitors engineer here in town. One of the venues that she works at is the parish. And uh, we have uh, we had a really great conversation, and I hope that you guys like it. But right before we get into that, I just want to let everybody know that we are up on um, all streaming platforms in which you would listen to podcasts. So that's Stitcher, that's Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Google as well. Google Podcasts. And anyway, so I just wanted to to put that out there. And also just I really wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode. You guys really surpassed all expectations that I could have had for the number of people listening. And I am so thankful and so grateful. And um, I hope that you guys like this next one. So we'll get right on to my uh, interview with Anna. Thank you, Amanda, for this already. I did. Okay. Um, she was my third interview second interview something like that Mm. and um (laughs) so (laughs) in amanda's case she's probably going to be one of my later episodes because amanda is so unique yeah that like i feel like she's not a standard interviewer And so talking to her, I feel like I don't want to get people's hopes up for that kind of an interview all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because Amanda and I actually have a lot. Can you actually be a little closer? Yeah. Amanda and I have a lot in common. We worked together for about a year. Well, she just moved on. We worked together for a little over a year. And it's funny because we on the outside look like we have nothing in common. We're so much alike in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's really funny. That's awesome. Yeah, no, Amanda's sort of more of my uh, polar opposite, like, in every way, like, which is great, and I love it, but then, like, we have these things that we have in common that make it such that getting along with her is so easy. She's very easy to get along with, yeah. So, I don't know, you know that she has the... The degree with the philosophy and stuff, right? <laughs> she has like three degrees. <laughs> like, it's insane. And so I got a degree in applied mathematics, which is like, people are like, That's what wild. are you doing with this? Yeah. <laughs> but because math is, is so intricate into life and just like everything that you do, you can literally map it out mathematically. It's true. We got along so well. Like the first time I met her, she Aww. was like, "Oh yeah, that's like." I was like, "Oh my god, let's talk about these things. <laughs> We're gonna make false fallacies and like be super nerds about it." And it was great. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, she's she's one of those people that um, I have really loved getting to know. Yeah, so. she's great. I'm so glad that I met her because without her, I would have like it's weird because. Uh, that's one of the things we have in common is that we're both women who do sound and we're both gay. So, like, I would have felt really alienated and on my own if it wasn't for Amanda. Nice. Yeah. I mean, but that's not super – I mean, maybe mm, – I don't know. Maybe I just don't know. But correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I – like, in the pool of women yeah. who do audio, which obviously is significantly small. So mm-hmm. that's small. But I thought that a good portion of them – were of the LGB community you know, like, because I met lots of people who were in that and I've only met like two girls who were straight. <laughs> I think it is true. I think there's a lot of us who are 
LGBT and, you know, in audio, but I think that it's like, it's so rare to just find another woman in general that when you happen to find one who is also gay, it's like, oh my God, like I found her, I found her. So it was really nice like working with her and she's, she's 11 years older than me. So it was nice seeing somebody who's been like doing this for longer than me and like being, you know, different and like still doing the thing and being really successful. So I'm glad that I know her. Yeah. So... My knowledge is that you guys both work together whoops, at the parish. Yes, we correct. work at Empire and Parish. At the together. parish, okay. So, how did you come to be there? What is first off? What is your life story? Who are you? What do you yeah. do with yourself? How did you end up here? Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm Anna Heimsen. I'm 22. I'm a live audio engineer. Um, I've been doing this for seven years. Um, I started in high school doing sound for theater shows for my theater department. And I kind of, like, decided that that was a really cool thing to do. I always wanted to be a singer. And I realized that that wasn't, like, a particularly realistic life goal. And I was like, okay, let me do something, like, music adjacent, but, like, more on the technical side of things, like, more reliable as far as, like, pay and, you know, working. Um, So I decided to go to school for uh, music production And I picked up a minor in, well, not a minor, I picked up a double major um, in live sound. So I have my bachelor's degree in live sound, or (laughs) my bachelor's degree in music production, and I have a diploma in live sound from a college that no longer exists because it went bankrupt in my last semester, and called McNally Smith College of Music. Uh, To the listeners, look that up if you want a really fun story, because it was absolutely wild. Um, yeah, I know. And so I stayed in Minnesota, um, which is where my college was for about eight months after I graduated. And then I got really sick of the cold and I wanted to leave because I'm from Florida and I was like not ready for that anymore. Um, so now I'm here. I'm in Austin. It's warm and there's lots of work and I'm having a good time. So how long have you been in Austin then? Uh, I got here in August of 2018. So I've been here for almost a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. So then how did you come to be at Empire and the Parish and that whole place? Because that's that's a gig right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. There are certain parts of this story that I can't tell. Okay. Because um, they're weird. But the part of the story that I can't tell is that I found this really cool Facebook group called... Uh, Austin Sound Engineers, and I posted in the group, and I was like, hey, uh, I'm new in town. Like, this is what I do. Uh, Can I check out your room? Like, I'll wrap your cables to say thank you. I just want to, like, get to know some of the rooms in town. And a bunch of people, I think, like, 18 people were like, oh, my God, yeah, come check out my room. And one of them um, I wound up talking on the phone to, and um, he had me come check out Empire. And it happens that Empire and Parish are owned by the same company, so I checked out Empire, wound up getting hired there. Um, yeah, the person who got me hired there doesn't work there anymore. Um, but that's how I got to know um, Amanda. And yeah, so it's been really interesting. I've like kind of worked my way up. I'm still working my way up because there's uh, protocols in there that I'm not super familiar with. Like this is the first place I've ever worked with Dante, which is kind of funny because it's so commonplace for a lot of people. <laughs> But for me, I was like, what the hell? Like, I was a little confused. I mean, it's it's very um, – makes a lot of sense, like, when you get into it. It's just that I don't want to take it on without knowing how to troubleshoot it. Like, I don't want to be in the middle of a show 
and have something go wrong and like not know how to fix the thing. So I'm trying to like really learn the ins and outs and like get everything down with that in case something like blows or breaks or whatever. And uh, still trying to wrap my head around some of the Yamaha boards because I don't like them very much. But (laughs) it is what it is. Wait. So, what what boards do you like? Because this, I think, this is the second brand that you've mentioned that you do not okay, like. Okay, Personas is like a whole other thing. Like the Personas thing is is just. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people hate Personas. It might not just be me, um, but the Yamaha thing is just foreign to me. Like I feel like I'm looking at too much. I get overwhelmed a little bit with like the amount of things you have to look at when you're mixing on a Yamaha board. And like I can do it. I just need to like really take a breather first um but i obviously like x32 m32 are like very standard i work on both of those um my monitor board at parish is is an x32 and my front of house at empire is an m32 uh for the inside room and i'm good with like the avid stuff like i had a venue profile that i worked on a lot in college and a midas legend for my analog fun stuff um (laughs) And then, like, studio boards I was working on. My first analog studio board was a Trident ADB, which was super fun. I don't know if you've ever worked on one. Oh, they're so – they sound so good, and they're just, like, really fun boards to work on because you can – like, they're pretty versatile, and, like, they're very tactile if you really like getting in there and, like, putting your hands on stuff. Like, it's very interesting to, like, mess around with – yeah, I've worked on that a lot. I've worked on some SSL dualities for studio stuff. Um, a D command. I spent a lot of time with a D command in college. <laughs> Just like a big old mouse, like playing around with that, mixing in the box. Um, shoot, what else have I worked on? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a lot, though. Yeah. That's, a, that's a press, an impressive amount of uh, of boards, though. Thank and, you. You know, most people are like, oh, all I know is like, the Yamaha CL5. And then they're like, I know nothing else. And See, I like, don't know the Yamaha oh, okay. CL5 and I want to. <laughs> it's not for me, but I'm getting there. Um, I, I really like those. Um, I've spent the last mm, two years, two years getting to know the CL5. And it's been fun. Um, yeah. Their videos that they that they show on YouTube and stuff oh my God. are like super helpful, but kind of a little bit like dorky. The guy in those videos, I'm I'm sure he's a wonderful man, but oh my, he's like I can't. It drives <laughs> Wait, me. Nuts. Are you are you watching the black guy or the white guy? I've watched both, but I can't remember which one I'm thinking of that has just like the driest like uh. I like the black guy's videos. I feel like he does a good job of like being like, and this is this, and this is that, and this is how you might use this. Yeah. I like his videos. Um, I know that's like not at all <laughs> super relevant to anything, but No, it's good to know that you have a preferred instructor because I'll watch his videos. Yeah. Well, I just um so I learned recently that I didn't know as much about the board as I thought that I knew. Cause that's, I feel like that's a lot that happens in life, you know? Yeah. And so you, you show up and you're like, Oh yeah, I know this thing. And then it's like, well, actually I don't now that I think about it. Yeah. Cause I didn't realize that that was more than I was. Okay. Okay. That's and so like yeah. to make up for it, I went and I like binged watch these videos. So that way the next time I came in, I knew everything that I could possibly know about this board. Like I took notes. I had flashcards. I spent the whole night like color coding and everything. Oh so God. that way I could like remember 
everything that I needed to know that I didn't know previously. And it was insane. (laughs) Yeah. See, I think that's my problem is that, um, I think it's about the way I learned, maybe not even necessarily about like the dry guy in the videos, but I, um, did really well in the kind of college environment that I had because it was like very small classes. Like my school was super small, super private. Um, and there would be classes where there were like two of us or there was one class I remember that I was the only person in the class the entire time. Um, and I functioned really well in like instructing, like instructed environments like that where it's like, I can ask as many questions as I want. Like that was always my big thing in college is it's like, I felt like a lot of the men in my program, cause I was the only woman in my year in my program. And I felt like a lot of them were afraid to ask questions because they didn't want to look like they didn't know something. And I was like, you are paying for somebody to teach you. If you don't know it, you got to ask, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's where I struggle with like learning from those videos is a, they're framed to be, teach a wide amount of people even if it's just like one person one person watching it at a time but like that and then the fact that i can't ask them questions and i don't understand like you can google it but you'll get like 10 different answers from a lot of things that is that is a hard part about um learning audio i think in general is that it's super suggest subjective like you can do something one way and then somebody else can do it the same way but you both get the same results and so it's like how do you narrow down which method is the best method for you you know like especially when it comes to asking questions Mm -hmm. and even with like sonically i have a lot of things like there are certain things that i hold pretty strong opinions about with like how i want things to sound but there's a lot of other things where I'm, like, very open to all the possibilities and I'm, like, you know, like, whatever sounds good, like, however I have to get it to sound that way, like, that's what's going to happen. Then I see a lot of people who are, like, afraid of certain techniques or, like, just won't try something because they think it's, like, not right, you know, quote, quote, not right. Um, Yeah, and I think it's, like, audio is one of those things where it's, like, as much as it's a science, it's also an art and you kind of have to treat it like one in both respects. Like, you can't ignore one or the other. Um, and I've seen a lot of people, and I do it too sometimes myself, who like lean too much one way over the other. But yeah, there's definitely like tons of different ways to get the same result. Or if it's not the same result, like it can sound just as cool a different way. Yeah, that's very true. So what what is a technique that you were like, this is like God's gift to me and this will always be, I don't know, that's very dramatic sounding, yeah. but just something that you hold fast to. When I first learned like how to process in parallel, um, that was really fun for me. I love, you know, smacking some drums with some parallel compression. Uh, I just started doing it live the other day because I was like, I can, so why not? Um which is something I used to shy away from because I was like, mm, I don't want to do too much, you know, like I want to like leave it simple. And now I'm like, nah, I can have a little fun. Um, yeah, like doing that in the studio is really fun for me. Um, I just became a monitor engineer for the first time over the last, it was right after I moved here, I started doing monitors at Parish. So last September um, in 2018. And so there's definitely been a lot of things uh, from being a monitor engineer that I've had to learn that are now like my holy grail things, like certain EQs and like, um, you know, like I'll do a graph and I'll do a parametric EQ on like the same 
bus end just to like make sure nothing's going to feed back. And like, I don't know, I've been told it sounds pretty good. So I'm going to stick with it. But yeah, I like definitely needed to learn not to be afraid of like how crazy an EQ might look. Because as long as it sounds good, like that's all that matters. And sometimes I worry that like somebody's going to come up behind me and see what my EQ looks like and think that I don't know what I'm doing. And then I'm like, no, it sounds good and nothing's feeding back. So obviously I do know what I'm doing. Yeah, also, nobody's coming over to tell you that you're EQing the things wrong usually. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Although it is something as a woman that I feel like is always in the back, of, at least my head. And I know a couple other girls that um, I've talked to about this kind of stuff. Like they're always worried that like some – you know, some jackass is going to come up and be like, why don't you like cut 500 out of that? It's like, did I ask? (laughs) Nobody asked you for anything right now. (laughs) I know somebody came up to me at a show the other day and he was like, hey, can you turn his guitar up? And I'm like, kind of like glared at him. I was like, are you with the band? Because I was ready for him to say no and to be like, okay, then don't tell me what to do. And he was like, yeah, actually, don't you remember? And I'm like, oh my God, you are. You're literally the drummer. Sorry. I don't have that great of like facial recognition. So like this guy had changed clothes between sound check and then and I forgot who he was. And he was like innocently asking me to do something that was like about their sound. And I was like, are you with the band? <laughs> that is so funny. Because <laughs> well, people oh do that to me a lot. Like, and I, you know, I feel like they do it to everybody because they think that because they paid for a ticket to the show, they get to tell you how to do your job. Um, but yeah, people come up and they'll ask me to like turn things up or, you know, it's like not to trash talk other women because, you know, I love other women, but sometimes somebody's girlfriend will come up and be like, Hey, I can't hear my boyfriend, like his bass solo. And I'm like, well, I can. So, you know, (laughs) like, sorry that you want to hear it louder, but it doesn't sound good to me. Um, yeah, just things like that. Like people coming up to me, that happens a lot asking for changes. And I'm like, you can't have them. Sorry. (laughs) So how do you handle that? I mean, like, I mean, other than just telling them, hey, by the way, that's not going to happen or, oh, thank you for your input. Like, how do you address that um, yeah. in a, I, I don't know, as respectful of a way as possible? Because, I mean, people aren't trying to inherently be rude. I mean, yeah. there are some people out there who right. are actually inherently trying to be rude. But most people are not out, like, in the world being like, this heifer don't know what she doing. Like, let me just tell her what she needs to do and not do. Right. Like most people aren't those humans. So how do you, how do you go about approaching that? Yeah, you're right. Like most people genuinely think they're helping me when they ask me to like turn something up or tell me they can't hear something. Like sometimes they are because sometimes like my ears are shot. It's like the last band of the night. It's 2am. Like I'm, I can't hear as well as I did at the beginning of the night. And that's just how it goes. Um, but you know, if there is an explanation for something like, um, Last night, no, two nights ago, I was mixing in this room where my front of house board is behind the left right for some reason, like it's behind the mains. And so I can't hear the mains unless I run around and go out in the crowd and listen to them. But I can hear the monitors, obviously. And so like somebody came up to me and told me that they couldn't hear uh, somebody's synth. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, like I'll turn that up because if you're out there and you can't hear it, like, you know, you can hear it better than me at this point. Um, so if there's an explanation for something where it's like, oh yeah, like I'll turn that up. Sorry, I can't hear it back here. Then I'll tell them. Or if it's like, oh, somebody's guitar a few months ago, their amp died in the middle of a song and I ran up and like put him through a DI. But before I could put him through a DI, somebody was like, Hey, can you turn up his guitar? Like I can't hear. And I was like, well, he's literally not being amplified right now. So I'd be surprised if you could (laughs) like, and he was, he was very obviously like 
messing with his amp and it was very obviously broken like if you were watching him so the fact that somebody had to come up and tell me that they couldn't hear it i was like yeah it'd be kind of a miracle if you could like (laughs) that would be really weird the sass is real and i love it yeah (laughs) yeah and some people like i decided when i'm at monitor world i posted this on facebook and uh, a couple people thought it was pretty funny i was like uh, the next person who comes up to me at Monitor World and asks me to turn something up, I'm telling them it's a lighting board. Because, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, if you're asking me to turn something up in the main mix and I'm sitting at Monitor World, like, obviously you don't know what audio, like, what I'm doing, so I might as well be doing lights. And then a couple weeks after that, somebody actually came up to me and asked me to change something about the lights. And I was like, shit, what is it now? Like, <laughs> am I doing the record feed now? Like, what do I tell them? Um, we're broadcasting, actually. Um, you are hearing and not seeing anything. I I don't know what's happening. Yeah, and, like, people <laughs> will tell me, like, somebody said when I posted that on Facebook, somebody was like, oh, just uh, be like, oh, thank you, and, like, move a fader that's not patched to anything. And there was a while where I would do stuff like that, but I decided that I don't want people to think that I'm actually taking their unsolicited advice at this point because, like, I didn't ask for it. And, like, that might sound sassy, but it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, a, a cultural thing where I don't want people to think that, like, oh, well, the last audio person that I talked to, like, thanked me and did what I said, so I must really know what I'm talking about because it's, like, at the end of the day, none of us really want to be approached by audience members when we're trying to work. So it's like, at this point, I just, I'm done like pacifying people and like making them think that they're helping when they're not because I don't know, people should know to like have a little bit more respect for us as a profession and not just like, you know, the people I know personally, but in general, I feel like we're owed a little bit more respect than we get in some cases. So I'm kind of done like letting people give me advice in certain situations. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that's very true. Like there are a lot of situations in life where people are like, oh, well, just pacify them, just pacify them, just pacify them. And you're like, but then they keep coming back, you know? And then they keep saying stuff and you keep being like, I don't care. Yeah. So how do I make you go away? Right. And it's like, it's a different story if it's somebody whose advice I want. It's like, I'm never going to turn away actual like, helpful advice but when it's somebody coming up to me on monitor world asking me to turn something up in the main mix like they're gonna get told to go away yeah because they don't want that well obviously because they don't know the difference yeah like exactly. it's like i and i think that's the the biggest difference to me is that like i have people who are sound engineers around town and or just in general who'll come up and be like hey you know i do sound over at blah 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 blah, blah. here's some advice that i heard in your mix if you would like it or you know like i've had people yeah. do stuff like that and that has been fantastic mm-hmm. right because i appreciate that because you're as somebody who's in the same profession as me who's doing the same things as me it's nice to hear somebody who can give you like honest feedback in that regard yeah. and so that way i take it and i'm like thank you i really appreciate it i never would have thought of this or whatever and and as as long as you as long as they've approached it in a way that's been um trying to be kind yeah or they're respectful like, they're yeah respectful and they're not like in the middle of like me trying to like set up all of the stuff and they're right. like hey by the way like look i don't got time for you right now but you know like if you do it in a certain way then i think that that's okay and so that to me is completely different though yeah totally than, different like audience members who are just like randos who mm-hmm. are like i just like music yeah <laughs> 
And then you get the the guy who's like in the band and he's like, Oh, I used to be a sound guy. Can you make it sound like this? And it's like, actually, no, I can't. Like, I don't want to. That's not my desire. Yeah. No, but I think there's a difference in like saying sound like this and here's techniques or here's yeah. like just something to think about. I think there's a huge difference mm-hmm. in that. And I accept here's something for you to think about over yeah. do this because I said so. It's like a suggestion <laughs> versus an instruction. Like I don't really in some cases if it's like a band is very specific about something like I'll take instructions all day long because you know like I want them to be happy with the sound but when like, I prefer certain things as suggestions. Like, hey, it'd be really cool if you wanted to do this, but, you know, like, do whatever sounds good out there because, like, at the end of the day, I'm the only one that's out in the audience and, like, taking certain pieces of advice from bands on stages, it's like, cool, you're going to hear that in the monitor, but it's not going to sound like that out here. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because Amanda mentioned in her interview, I don't know if it's okay to, eh, whatever. <laughs> You'll either have heard it or you won't, listeners. Oh my, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, when we were talking um, in her interview, she was saying that like whatever the band wants her to do for them to make their sound sound the way that they'll do, she's like, "I'll do it." Yeah, you know, like okay, you want to sound like garbage? Okay, fine. Like you do that. Yeah. you know, and and so it's interesting that you like that you have a different perspective, not because that you shouldn't. That's that's yeah. not the way I'm trying to say. I'm just saying I think it's interesting to point out because I think sometimes people think it always has to be either one or the other and that yeah. there can be um, an in-between, that there can be a um, in this situation this is how it's going to go and in other situations it's not. Yeah, like, there's definitely things I'm willing to meet in the middle about, and, like, you know, like, the other night, somebody asked me to high-pass their vocal up to 250, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do that, because when you talk, we won't be able to hear you, like, between songs, but, you know, I'll high-pass you up to, like, 160, and we'll see what happens, but, you know, it was, like, things like that, it's like, there are certain things where, like, you might think it sounds good on stage, but practically, out in the house, like, you know, if you want people to hear you speak between songs, I can't do that because you're just going to sound like this at the, you know, when you're talking, like nobody's going to be able to hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that. And it's not usually like major things, you know, like it's usually really minor things where it's like, I don't know, it's stupid stuff like that. And it's like, there's resolutions around that at the end of the day, like I can just cut more out of the wedge on my graph or um, but yeah, I've never had any like major disagreements with an artist. It's like, you know, if it's your sound and it's something like integral to the way you want to present your music, like I'll do whatever you want me to do. And if it's a minor thing that I really think doesn't sound good, or if it's something I just like fundamentally can't do because of the way my room is set up or my board or whatever, you know, like it's not going to happen. But, you know, it's a. Uh, I find that I uh, have been told that I'm one of the nicer sound engineers in town, um, which I don't know if that's true or if these people are saying that to everybody, but I feel like I'm decently nice to people and I can make whatever they want to happen happen um, to a certain point. And I like to have fun on stage and, you know, I like to joke around with people during sound check, and I feel like that really like lightens the mood. So when it gets to be like some kind of disagreement, they don't feel like I'm against them. They feel like I'm working for them and bettering what they're presenting to their audience. Wow. So it's fun to like 
form a nice solid relationship with somebody, even if it's for just a few minutes, so they feel like they can trust you to like make executive decisions like that. Earlier, you mentioned uh, in the studio. So do you also do recording work as well? Or are you just live sound at this point? I'm just live sound at this point. Um, I would like to get in the studio again at some point. But it's Austin and it's all pretty much live. You know, there's not really a ton of studio opportunities here. Um, I haven't been in a studio since um, since my school closed back at the end of 2017. Wow. Yeah, I spent my last day at school um, in the studio finishing an album. <laughs> and then, you know, I was sent along my merry way elsewhere. So, but yeah, it'd be fun. I would like to. So what are your, your goals and aspirations then? I mean, because, I mean, getting in the studio, that's a goal. You know, that'd be super cool. And then, obviously, you've worked your way up to monitor engineer, which is impressive. So so what else What else do you see for yourself in the future? I would really like to go on tour. Uh, I've never been on tour. I think it'd be so fun. I have friends who've done it. Um, a friend of mine did front of house for a band called Remo Drive, who I went to school with, and I went to school with him, too. His name is Brandon. Um, and I saw him doing his thing when they were here in June, and it was, like, really fun. And it looked like a good time. And I've been offered a couple tours recently, so I'm just, like, waiting to hear back from people. Um, but I – so this is fun. I have a chronic illness. And so it's – I've never been on tour before. And I'm not sure how long I could go out on the road. So that's, like, you know, that's another, like, obstacle to add to everything. Um, I have a chronic illness called fibromyalgia. And it's nothing, like, serious or, like, life-threatening. It's just, like, kind of painful and sucky. Um, but, yeah, so I've – that's been a big consideration this year is, like, you know, how long can I go on tour for? Like, what should my first run look like? Should it just be, like, two or three weeks until I can, like, gauge if I can do this, like, for longer? Um, so, yeah, that's a big goal of mine for this coming year is to try touring and, like, see how all that goes and hopefully get into it more for the future. That's interesting. I haven't. I met one other person who has fibromyalgia, oh, and really? they, yeah. And uh, the thing that they struggled with was like when, in, like, you have like the um, uh, episodes. I don't know a better yeah, word flare-ups, for it. Yeah. Flare-ups. Thank you. It's like episode <laughs> doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, when they had their episodes, they they were definitely like on the out for a while, you know, and it was just like, how do you handle this? And then they were a nurse. So it's like, how do you be a nurse when wow. you're supposed to be taking care of other people and all this sort of things? Mm-hmm. So like, is, I wonder just like side note, just has nothing to do with the interview. I just wonder how many people out there struggle with those sort of things, like in in the world, like who who are trying to be audio engineers and who are out there and they're just like, well, I have this thing and it sometimes hinders me, but like for the most part, I'm usually okay or whatever, whatever. Like I I genuinely wonder. I know. I wonder about it, too, because I, you know, the people that I meet, like, obviously, I meet other people with, like, chronic illnesses and disabilities, but um, not all of them, obviously. But a majority of people I meet, you know, are able to find jobs that are a little bit less, like, physically involved and those who don't work a little bit less often or, you know, some people are like me and they do, they just keep going through it because, like, I don't know, I think it's... um. 
I think if I had any other job that I felt less passionately about, I wouldn't be able to like keep doing it at the rate that I've been doing this. Um, but just because I love this job so much, I'm like, yeah, it hurts, whatever, like sucks, you know, like I want to keep doing it and I feel really strongly about it. And, um, I feel really strongly about being, it's a good way to phrase this. I feel very strongly about having, um, taking up a space where other women, especially like young women can see me doing what I do because I want other women to like see me doing what I do and be like, Hey, I can do that too. That's really cool. And so, you know, all throughout college, like that was my big thing. It was like, I'd have friends, uh, female friends tell me that they wish they could be in the production program, but they just didn't feel comfortable. And I was like, Hey, I'm there too. Like, let's go come join me. And a couple of friends did actually switch over. So, um, one of them, her name is Andy. She's like a super awesome audio engineer now and she's like crushing it. And, uh, it's really cool just to like watch other women succeed. And like, you know, there are women who have paved the way for me and I'd like to be that for women younger than me someday. I think it's really fun and exciting. So, yeah. yeah. So how do you handle it though? Like for yourself, like, um, like, cause you said that you just work through it. Like, yeah. but at a certain point, like, isn't that kind of in some ways putting your health at risk sometimes? Like, or is there ever a point where you're like, all right, like working through it is great and all, but that's doing more harm than good. There I don't know. Does that been, happen? There have been days where it's like, you know, that probably wasn't the best thing I could have done today, like picking up heavy equipment or whatever. But at the end of the day, like I would rather potentially be putting myself in a little bit more pain but doing something I thoroughly enjoy doing than like sitting at home doing nothing like having to take a day off and there are some days where yeah like I straight up can't do anything um and those days it's like you know you got to take off when you need to because if you physically can't you physically can't but I've been lucky so far that I don't think I've ever had to miss a show I think I've I think I've made every show. I don't think I've ever called out um as long as I've been in Austin working where I work now. So so far so good. Hopefully I can continue that streak. There have been a couple of days where like at the end of the night, like I'm just like done for and I just like pack up as quickly as I can muster and like go home and go to sleep right away. Um but yeah, I haven't missed anything so far. So it's more about just like taking care of yourself in the interim between shows. Um so for me that's like, you know, heating pad in bed like relaxing or you know like stretching or doing whatever it is I need to do because I work maybe three to four shows a week and during slow season two or three Mm -hmm. um yeah so just like making sure I'm not killing myself in the meantime and it's actually really nice because my um my day job that I picked up recently I work in a massage studio so I get free massages so it's it's pretty dope I get to like take care of myself from my hard job and then like do my day job and Get a little pampered. That was actually my next question. I was going to be like, have you at any point actually been full-time audio or has it all just been slowly working up to being full-time and you're still in that process of climbing to the full-time or, or yeah, what? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, when I first moved here, I started doing audio at the places I work now um, and then like doing a little bit of freelance on the side, which I still do. Um, but it wasn't really like, I don't, I think it was full-time as in, like, not 40 hours a week full-time. Um, and then I picked up a job doing, like, AV uh, on the side. And then after that, from, like, March until August, I was just doing audio. So, like, I consider it full-time 
was it 40 hours a week? Probably not, but some weeks it was. Like, it's, you know, it's not always predictable. Um, and now it's, like, there are months where it would be considered full-time and there are months where it's not. And I freelance in the middle and, like, do whatever I need to do. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have, like, a like a goal to – it's not a goal of mine to, like, say I do it full-time because, to me, I kind of already do. Um but yeah, I would like to I'd like to be a little bit busier in the coming years. Um but yeah, I don't know. I like what I'm I like where I'm at right now. Like I like my work-life balance. Um and I really like the places that I work, so I still enjoy going into work. Like I don't have days where I'm like, "Oh man, I don't want to be here today. I don't want to do this." Like I genuinely still enjoy it. So I think I've I've struck a good balance and I'm happy with where I'm at for now. That's good. Um, I think for me, full time is just sort of more of I can pay all my bills off of the money that I earn. Exactly, and yeah. that's it. Like if and if all of my money came from audio, then I'm like, I did it full time. Yeah, I'm done. That's how I you feel. Okay, I didn't want to say it because yes. I didn't want to like bring yes. up money if we weren't like gonna oh, no, that's discuss fine. money. So no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I feel that way about it too. Where it's like, yeah, if I pay like my rent and all my bills and I have like a little bit of money left over, like that's full time. I'm like, <laughs> like, I did it. Yeah, <laughs> I've conquered. Thank you. Because really, like. That's all that matters is that you're like, you know, you're getting everything that you need to get paid, paid, and that you still have a little bit of money left over to do what you want with. And like, it doesn't really matter like how many hours a week you're like, you could work one day a week, but be making like a couple thousand bucks because it's a big fancy gig. And like, that's fucking full time. You're like, like, I did it. I only went to work one day this month. Thank you. And goodbye. (laughs) One day. That's how South by feels to me. South by is a like two weeks of like just one continuous day that never ends. That's how I view South by. South by, I know it's like two weeks technically, like two and a half, whatever number you want to call it, but it just feels like one day it's that one never big ended. Old day. Yeah. I was like, I went home, I slept, I woke up, and then I went right back to where I just was. Okay, so this year, <laughs> uh, this is my first South by ever. <gasps> Scandalous. Yeah, I know. I. Uh, didn't really have that great of an idea of what I was getting myself into. Um, so I wound up working, I think the festival is like something like 10 days, at least like where there's music is like 10 days. Yeah. So I, um, I worked the first couple days, like just one show. And then somewhere in the middle of there, I was working 17 hour days back to back to back. And then I went and had like a couple other days there is one show and I loved it. I was so tired and like so beat at the end of it and I like wanted to sleep for a week, but I had so much fun and I can't wait to do it again. And it was really nice because it was uh I worked with all women that week. So it was me on monitors, um, Amanda Justice on front of house, and a woman named Stephanie who was our stage manager. And I don't remember her last name. Sorry, Stephanie. Um but she's great. She's really awesome. Like, she was the best stage manager that I could have had for South by because she was so efficient at getting people off stage and on stage and like making sure everything was where it needed to be and like asking everybody the important questions. Like, uh, Stephanie's an angel. Um, but yeah, we had so much fun and like it was just really cool spending that whole week among like people that I had such a camaraderie with because like there was one band who had specifically requested male staff for production 
Um, and they walked into three women like being badasses and they didn't know what to do. And they were huge assholes to us. Um, and they wound up apologizing at the end of the night. Uh, but it, it was a lot. And so it was just really nice that it was like, cool, if I had been the only woman on that show, it would have felt really singled out and bad. But like the three of us were able to kind of like band together and like tell them what was what. And yeah. it was it was a good night at the end of it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, South by is a lot of fun. I, I got to do. Do you know the She Shreds magazine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got to do their unofficial South by. No way. Yeah, and so that's so cool. It was so awesome to like be a part of an experience like that, and I think that's what makes South by so much fun. Mm-hmm. This is not an ad for South by. Just, just saying. Okay, when, like nobody's paying. We're us in talk Austin. About it. Everything's We're an just ad for South by. No lies. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't really care. But um, just just so we're clear, because uh, some people will be like, oh, man, you were sponsored. We're not sponsored. OK, this is me doing my own thing. Living Unsponsored my best life. content. Unsponsored content. Just talking about the pros of it all. And that was one of my favorite things that I had done over South by was to connect with those people and have that experience because their whole thing is so crazy and cool and unique. And I think that's like the joy of South by in general is getting to meet different people from different places who are doing so many different things. And you're like, Oh my goodness. I just love that you were in my life right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Thank you. It was so cool. Like I, I can't even remember at the moment, like some of the people that play, but I just remember like being so fascinated by so many of them and, it was really fun getting to mix. I can't even remember how many bands we mixed that week. It was like a hundred something bands in the the shows that I was there. Um, so yeah, meeting like, you know, hundreds of people from a hundred plus bands and like just getting to see that many performances and like talk to that many people was so interesting and so fun. And I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. It's great that you have that excitement. I know a lot of people, they, yeah, you Okay, rephrase that. I'm going to change the way I was phrasing that sentence because that was really bad. (laughs) How do you keep from being jaded with a lot of the things that happen? Because, I mean, obviously, like, doing audio is great. I I love being a sound engineer. You obviously love being a sound engineer. And it's fantastic. And it's a really unique job in and of itself. But sometimes with the different people and with the history of people with – other sound engineers and then they bring that baggage in or, you know, artists have been on tour and they're tired and they're cranky and they're just like, I've been on the road for like 10 days and every day has been a new city and every day is a new group of people and it's, it can get to be a lot. So how do you keep yourself from being um, jaded or um, I don't know, just in general having any sort of like negative feelings that are lasting yeah. with, with what, happen sometimes part of it is that i've watched other people who have this job um you know in the past like in college or wherever it was or just even being out at a show like i've watched other people do this and not have a good time and i see them acting that way i'm like i don't want to be that person like i love my job and i think it's like the coolest thing in the whole world and i feel so lucky that i get to do it and so it's like i don't want to be that person who's like doing this extremely cool thing and not appreciating it and the other part of it is that I um, have a kind of an interesting view on what we do where as much as we don't want to admit it, we're customer service workers in a certain way. 
because the bands are our customers and you have to make them feel welcome. You have to make them feel at home. You have to make sure they're having a good time because if they're not happy, nothing actually matters. Like your mix can sound as good as it wants to, but if the band isn't enjoying performing, then you've kind of sucked all the joy out of performing a show, you know, like, so I try to make sure that everybody feels welcome and everybody feels like they can talk to me and ask me for whatever they need. And like, you know, as much as I made jokes earlier about like not appreciating like unsolicited comments or whatever, like it really is about making the band feel like that they can trust you and that you have a good relationship with them, even if you only get five minutes to establish it. So, you know, usually people walk in you know, I'll ask them where they're from, like how their tour is going. You know, I'll ask if they want any recommendations for like somewhere to eat and, you know, just like be their friend because that's kind of what they need when you've been in a tour bus for like weeks and weeks. You kind of just want somebody to like welcome you into their place of work and be like, hey, everything's cool here. If you need something like I'll get it for you or like I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. So just establishing that kind of relationship with people really helps me to have a good show because when I know that they trust me and that they think that I can do the best job for them, then we have that mutual respect and it's like everything goes great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really cool way of approaching that. Some people are just like, I just don't care. Well, some people <laughs> think that we're too, like, they think we're too highly specialized or too highly trained or like too important to consider ourselves customer service workers so they don't feel the need to do any sort of customer service with the bands. And like, I guess I can see if you've been doing this for years and years where you might not want that kind of put upon you anymore but at the end of the day like if it's making your life easier to kind of like make other people happy for a couple minutes like it's not that hard you know it's really not that hard and if it's going to make the rest of your night go better and if it's going to make people feel like they can trust you then like just do it like you don't have to be like inauthentic about it either it can just like just find it within yourself to you know have establish a relationship for a few minutes do you ever keep in contact with any of the people afterwards? Oh my god, yeah. I mixed um <laughs> I've mixed a bunch of bands here that I now consider friends. Um there's uh I don't can I say I mean um, that's up to you. Okay. I mean I don't. Yeah, well I'm gonna okay, I'll just I'll say a couple of them. Um I've mixed Cilantro Boombox, who are a local um they're kinda like a funk band. Really cool. Oh my god, I love them. So Felix, their bass player, is really awesome. Uh, he's a friend of mine now. He's super cool. We follow each other on Instagram and we'll like comment on each other. So it's, he's so sweet. Um, so yeah, him, I've mixed a band called Billy King and the Bad, 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 I think five or six times now. Um, they're my favorite Austin band. And every time they come in, I get excited to see them because they're like these big, like biker looking dudes and they're so sweet. They're so nice, and their music is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, those two. And then um, I mixed – I won't say who because I don't think they would appreciate it if I did, but I mixed a band the other day who uh, want to take me on tour, so I've been following up with their um, TM about it. And, yeah, and they're, they were all so sweet. I got, you know, lots of hugs at the end of the night. Um, it was really fun. So, yeah, I've kept in touch with them. And, yeah, I try to uh, keep in touch with people who really liked my work. So that way, even if it's just, like, they want help getting booked at my venue again, like, if I really enjoyed working with them, like, I want to keep in touch so I can help that happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's really cool that uh, that you have that. Um, I know a lot of people are like, man, I really wish I was friends with people, but 
you know, whatever, but dot, 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 whatever reason that they have for not being able to make friends with bands or people that they work with and stuff, you know, especially like with, with a lot of the artists and stuff that you see regularly, it's like, why can't they be your friend? You know, why can't you be, and I'm not saying that we gotta be best friends. Okay. We don't gotta like hang out at each other's houses or anything, but just having like a, a, a friendly working relationship exactly. is is everything and i think that sometimes people forget that aspect of of audio yeah. of having connections and that it's not just about what can you do for me but what i don't know what we can do for each other yeah, but then also just thing. yeah like being a part of something that's more than just all right, I saw you this one time and now you're gone. So, yeah. bye. No, it's really nice to like, even on just like a basic human level, like, you know, it's nice to walk into a room and see somebody familiar when you're in a place you've never been before. Or you're like in an environment that you've never been in before. Like, it's cool. So when I walk into work and I see somebody that I've mixed before is playing my stage that night, it's like, it's a good feeling because it's like, hey, like, I know you, like, you know how I work. I know how you work and we can kind of help each other with, you know, whatever might be going on, even if it's just like talking for a couple minutes to like, you know, shoot the shit or whatever. Like it's it's nice to establish that kind of relationship with people. And it's also really nice to have that kind of relationship with other engineers. I really like, um, you know, it's. I walk that line between not wanting to bother people while they're at work, obviously, and then, like, you know, wanting to make friends. And so that's the nice part of, like, having, like, Facebook groups or whatever, like, meetups, um, which I haven't been to any of the meetups yet in Austin because I'm always working when they happen. Um, But we do have them, I've heard. So I'll have to pop over to one at some point. But, yeah, like, the community aspect is nice and it's nice that we can like throw each other on our call lists and like trust each other with our gear and yeah it's fun i like the that part of the job a lot too yeah that's cool i uh i've only been to like actually i don't think i've been to any of the austin sound engineers Mm -hmm. um groups meet up but i have been to aes group meetups Mm -hmm. and those were really cool because it was really cool to like sit and talk with people and just be like, so what do you do? And like, not everybody is a live sound engineer, right? Like there was like one person that I met who does sound for video games or somebody was like doing film audio and like, you're just like, oh my God, your life is so similar yet different from mine. Yeah. Let's talk about it. And I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I started the <laughs> Right. And so um, I, I I find that like doing those meetups was like such a really cool experience to just be able to be like, let's talk about stuff. Like, I don't know anything about right. being an audio engineer for films. OK, I, I have not even the first clue other than maybe you're supposed to record some stuff. <laughs> But um, I got to talk with them and it was a lot of fun because you're like, I'm learning something new about how audio is being applied in the world, which is such like to me, like a super dope experience to just be like, let's just talk about it and like learn something new. Now, am I going to like probably go out into the world and become a a film audio? No, probably not. I'm not probably ever going to do that. But 
it's still like it's it's about having the knowledge and about having that um connection with people and also i feel like people just want to tell their stories like i i I don't i don't believe that people don't want to tell their own stories or talk about the experiences that they've been through i think like when people say that it's kind of like a hoax like i think it's like you've like convinced yourself that that's a thing not that it's actually a thing and so um i i if i don't know if you're listening audience members uh you should go look uh for local community groups because they are awesome and they can be awesome if you give them half a chance i didn't bring it up earlier um when you were asking me how i got started where i work now but actually the austin sound engineers page and pages like it uh have been the source of pretty much all of the gigs I've had in Austin. Like, whether it was I met somebody through a job I got through that group who gave me another job, like, if I hadn't posted in that page, I would have been kind of, like, out on my own, like, handing out my resume at bars and clubs and just, like, trying to figure something out. But, yeah, like, communities and groups like that, like, they're there for a reason. Take advantage of them because people make them because they want to help you and they want uh to form a community so always when you see a good opportunity like that like don't be scared of it use it for sure yeah for sure that's great that's great advice because i completely agree also if they tell you they're randomly going on tours of places just go on the tour yeah whether it's of a place that you know or not it does not matter like just be a part of the experience you know and i feel like that's the thing that maybe for so younger Tangela didn't know no better. Okay. She was living, she was living an oblivious world up in DF Dub. I had no clue what the heck I was doing. I was Aww. like, I'm going to be a sound engineer. And then I knew no sound engineers. Like, <laughs> uh, wait, how did you get like the, the spark to do that? Like, what gave you the idea that you wanted to do this? <laughs> so, um, oh, I guess I never actually told any. Buddy, my story. Oh, am my I getting podcast. a deep dark secret right now? No, I just don't think I've ever put it on podcasting. Okay. I think like I've like in general talked about things that I've done, but never like the actual story of it all. Uh, <laughs> so I started doing audio when I was in junior high, actually, um, at my church. So I loved going to church, and we had two events on Sundays. There was church in the morning. You had a break, and then there was church at night. And I wanted to go to both of them because I was that person. There was people, and I wanted to be where the people were. Okay, Aww. that's really what it boiled down to. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and so, um, but we lived far away from the church that I started going to because it was down the street from where I went to school, and so from school I'd walk to church. Well, we lived like thirty minutes away from it, so my mom was like, "Okay, well, you need to find somewhere to go in between these two things, or you have to choose one or the other." Because I wasn't driving and whatever. So, anyways, so, um. Started doing audio because I was sitting at church in, like, a random room and, like, our youth pastor was like, do you want to learn how to set all this stuff up? And I was like, I mean, I'm not doing anything else. And so she was like, all right. She's not really a sound engineer, but she was just like, this is what I do to make sound loud enough for us to all use it, you know? Like, she wasn't, like, a trained sound engineer, but... She taught me what she knew, and I started doing it regularly there. And then I got moved up to the main service, and I started learning more there. And um, I asked the guy, I was like, how do you become a sound engineer? He's like, you just buy equipment and start doing it. And I was like, oh, that's not useful. 
<laughs> I was like, I'm poor and I have no money. Like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> I was like, there's no equipment. I like, and I even took that to heart. So I went online and I tried to find it and I was like, how do I do this? And I like read about it and I was just like, yeah, I can't afford. It was like, it was like 600 bucks for like a board and then a microphone. And, and I was like, no. So I just kept doing church audio and then I was an athlete when I was in school and then I had knee surgery and my junior year of high school. So I had to quit sports because you can't really be on a sports team (laughs) when you have knee surgery. And so I was out of sports for nine months. And so I couldn't do anything for almost a year basically. And so I needed a new elective. And so I was already in theater, but I was like, in like stupid theater, you know, yeah. the theater that you just put kids in because they need yeah. an elective, not because they actually care. <laughs> and then I started doing theater sound. And then oh God, I was we both like, theater sound girls. we like, are theater this. sound girls. And then I was like, I'm going to go to college for it. But I didn't know what the heck I was talking about because I wanted to be an engineer in like the sense of math and science and being like a STEM filled person. But I also really, really, really wanted to learn about audio and how to do live sound and for musicals and recording and stuff like that. And I didn't know how to marry the two. And so I flailed a lot by myself because once I left high school, I didn't know anybody. So I went to college. I tried to learn. They didn't know what I was talking about. And I didn't have the words to say what I was trying to say because I didn't have the vocabulary for it because... I didn't grow up in music. I didn't grow up um, playing any instruments or anything like that in any real capacity. And so I didn't know how to express what I was trying to say. And uh, yeah, but then I ended up getting this um, internship (laughs) with this guy named Robin. Uh, He works, uh, he works for the, he's a contract person for a contract person. He's a, wow, (laughs) words. Words. I have them. I promise. I learned them. Uh, (laughs) He works as a sound designer. That's the word. For uh, the Texas Ballet Theater. Oh, sweet. And so I got in with him and he started helping me figure out what it was I was trying to say, what it is I wanted to be doing, and how to go about doing it. And that's kind of how I... And then I ended up leaving school because life happened. And I moved to Austin. And then I was just like, okay, here we go. And I started just hitting up anything that I could, but I didn't know how to approach people to be like, hey, teach me. Hey, I don't know how to get involved in this. How do I do that? And so, um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time literally solo man mission trying to figure it out because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like most of my career has been flailing we have a lot in common i'm glad you just told me all that because i feel like we have so much in common now and i'm glad that i know that about you i don't oh listeners uh this is the first time tangela and I have ever met each other <laughs> this is true this is true we I- exchanged maybe five text messages and a couple of emails and now we're sitting in a room talking to each other so i just learned all this information about her and i'm very glad that i know it that is a very true statement that's a very true statement um <laughs> I also feel like what you said about kind of like trying to find somebody to help you express what you were trying to do, like that's so important. Like the whether it's like trying to figure out, like wrap your head around just like what field you're trying to be in or if you need guidance from somebody, like 
my the best decision that I ever made um, in my audio career was finding a mentor. And I always tell everybody who asks me, like, how to do what we do is, like, find a mentor, like, find somebody, you know, like, not everybody will do it for free. Some people are generous enough that they'll mentor you just out of the kindness of their heart, and that's awesome. Um, You know, I'm always down to, like, let people shadow me. Like, even when I was still a student, um, I wound up being, I'll get fancy, I'll call it interim technical director at... um, one of the only good clubs in downtown St. Paul in Minnesota, um, all because of a man named John Stites. Uh, he might listen to this, so shout out, hi, John. Um, but yeah, I he mentored me, and I wound up uh, kind of taking over for him for a couple weeks while he was gone, and then I worked there after he came back. But even during that, I was like having um, other female students who were like new at the school like come shadow me just to be like, hey, here's what you can be doing if you stick with this, like you know, here's like an opportunity that can present itself to you, like, you know, find somebody to let you do this um, where they are, or like, you know, just come keep hanging out with me, like whatever it is. Like I felt so strongly about other women doing it too, that it was like, let me share this with you. Like, let's do this together. So yeah, find somebody who feels really strongly, especially for women, um, but for, you know, for men too or for non-binary people too, like find somebody who feels really strongly about um, teaching you what they know and about uh, having you participate and stick with that person. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like you have to take everything they say as the gospel truth because it's not always that way. But, you know, if you find a good experienced person, um, yeah, do yeah. that. Do that. <laughs> that is that is great advice. Um, and that is honestly one of the reasons why I was able to kind of make the shift in life, you know? Because, like, I'd say it was, like, a solid 10 years there where I was like, I don't know what's happening, <laughs> you know? And, and it wasn't until I met somebody who was like, let me help you find your path that I was, like, finally at the point where I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. And then when their help their knowledge came to an end and that relationship had to evolve from what it was. And then I found somebody else who knew. And, and I didn't like, for me, at least I never stopped talking to Robin. Like I still talk to him to this day, but um, you know, so it's, it wasn't, I don't think that um, growing, growing um, to a maximum with somebody means that you stop talking to them together. Oh yeah, I think it just means You've taught me what I can learn from you in this period of time. Now there's time for me to go forward, see what I can do on my own, Mm -hmm. figure it out. And then when I come up with something again, finding somebody else who can teach me this, teach this new version of me something different. Um, And so I don't, I I just want to make that distinction clear because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I outgrew them and now I never talk to them again. This isn't about outgrowing people and then never talking about talking to them again. It's just learning that there's a new step in life. There's a new path. There's a new chapter that you're starting. And sometimes you need different people to do those chapters with you. And so just because you have a mentor um, doesn't mean that you have to like throw them aside once you're done. I think that's important to note. That was probably one of my favorite things about my mentor, John, was that he, um, we still keep in touch. Um, and he kind of knew when to 
let me do my own thing and when he needed to step in and there were times where he like he knew when to challenge me and that was really important and so I find that there's certain mentors that want to mentor because they want to sound like a smart person who knows what they're talking about and like I mean that's cool because you can still accomplish you know mentoring somebody in that way but you also have to know um when to let people fend for themselves and it's really cool when you find the perfect person and you don't have to go with the first mentor you find either. Like if you need to, you know, if you feel like somebody's not for you, like thank them for their time and find somebody else. And, you know, like Tangela was saying, like that doesn't mean that you can't like communicate anymore. That just means like they weren't the right mentor for you or they weren't what you needed at the moment. Um, but yeah, like don't burn bridges in this industry because there's always going to be somebody who knows something you need to know and there's always going to be somebody that like you know and it's not just like using people for knowledge and information but you know like you'd never want to lose a connection with somebody here because it's like you know you might be working on a board that only one other person in town is really familiar with and you might want to talk to them and like have a chat and like you know if they aren't your favorite person in the world that doesn't mean like never speak to them (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's um, as much as it is, like for me, the reason that I decided to do this instead of, like I was saying earlier, like instead of singing is because it's it's a less like, it's a more reliable, less caddy industry. And I know caddy might not be a great word for it, but that's all I can think of. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it is still about who you know, but it's also about merit and skill. And so is performing. Um, but it just felt, to, this felt more secure to me than that. And so it's, I don't know where I was going with this in the first place, but yeah, like it still is about who you know. And so like respect your own boundaries, but also like be cool with people. Like don't burn bridges if you don't have to Um, make lots of friends and always be open to like sharing what you know with people. Uh, It's not like you have to be giving away like your hot industry secrets or whatever, but you know, there's always going to come a time where you're going to need somebody. um, So when somebody needs you help them. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. Cause I mean, that's, that's a great way of saying that, but uh, cause, but there's no, but it's because (laughs) the word is because not, but Um, because like um, I ran into a really interesting experience recently where I was on a panel talking about, being an audio engineer. And I was like, what? I'm on a panel. This is weird. Uh, <laughs> like at no point that I actually feel qualified to be on this panel to talk to kids in college about being an, a, a sound engineer. Um, uh, the imposter syndrome is so real. The imposter syndrome is Ugh. absolutely real. And I feel it to this day. Like right now I am, I am successful. Like I, <laughs> I had to remind myself all the time, Tangela, you are successful. You have done you're doing what you've been dreaming of doing. Like, stop, like, convincing yourself otherwise. Like, even with this whole podcast thing, I was like, who do I think I am? <laughs> like, who did I think I was when I decided I was going to have this idea, you know? And I think that it's important sometimes to, to, in being open, it helps you remind yourself, you know stuff. in in sharing your knowledge with people, I mean, you don't got to like, you know, like if it's like top secret, it's top secret and that's okay. Like I'm not saying like share your top secret things to everyone. But if you do have like that experience where there's somebody that you've met and you're like, you know what, I'm going to help you. Like I think that's one of the best things you can do. And on that panel, that, that was something that I was reminded of was that 
and first off, it was weird because you had to talk about yourself, and you're like, uh, as a sound engineer, we. I mean, at least I don't. I'm not speaking for all sound engineers, but I tend to find that most people that I meet who are sound engineer, sound engineers, aren't just out here like boasting all oh the gosh. time about how awesome they are. Who are you meeting? Because I've never met any of them. No. Oh my gosh, they exist in my world like all the wow. time. I don't know. <laughs> no, I I think a lot of us are like. Okay, we try to be we try to be like very uh, <laughs> modest about it, and then like when you get to know somebody too well, they're just like bragging left and right, which is I mean it's fun. Like we could brag. It's That's whatever. so funny. Um, <laughs> I think it's okay to brag a little bit. That's my point. Like when I was on this panel, I remember sitting there talking about myself, and I remember being like, I've done stuff. Like like, and it's weird to to have that feeling sometimes, and I think that that is one of the things that makes being. I don't know if, mm, okay, so correct me if you agree or disagree, okay? Um, But I feel like for me at least, that's one of the things that I struggled with the most was having imposter syndrome, but also when it came to trying to find a job, trying to get somebody to hire me, being like, look, I know stuff. I promise you I can do this job. And admitting that I knew more than I was trying to sell myself into like, well, like if somebody's like, oh, okay, well, here's this job and I want you to do it. Do you know, are you familiar with these things? And be like, I mean, I get, I know like, a, eh. and being kind of like, um, what's the word? Uh, uh not sly. Uh, trying just, to be reserved Just about trying to be it. reserved about yeah. it. And, and it's like, like, you don't have to be reserved. Like somebody's asking you, can you do these things? Say you can do these things. Go out be boisterous about that but not necessarily be arrogant because i think there's a difference in that i struggle with the same thing and i think um i think it's a common thing at least for women in audio i'm not sure about other people um but i know like a lot of the women that i know in audio have this problem too i have really bad imposter syndrome and some of it's warranted and maybe that's just my imposter syndrome talking when i say that it's warranted because maybe it isn't um but yeah, it's hard because there are things that I know that I know and there are things that I know that I don't know. And it's like, like I was saying earlier, like Dante, you know, like I try not to put myself in situations with unfamiliar things where I don't know how to like fix them or troubleshoot them if they go wrong. But at the same time, like, how do you learn otherwise? So sometimes I just have to like sit down and have a minute with myself where it's like, cool, I might not know this inside out, but I'm smart enough to figure it out if something goes wrong or like I know enough to figure it out or like Google exists, you know, like there are certain things where it's like, sometimes you're going to have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations just to get over that imposter syndrome and to give yourself more opportunities. And I have not been great at that recently. Um, And that's something I really need to work on is just like putting myself out there and like doing things that maybe I haven't done in a while. Like, God, I can't remember the last time I like, mixed on like a nice analog board like the I was talking earlier about like a Midas Legends that I used in college like I haven't touched one of those in years but like could I figure it out yeah would it take me a minute probably but like should I say no to a gig because it might take me a few minutes to figure it out absolutely not yeah. it's things like that where it's like you have to realize when there's something that you maybe don't know but could yes. it's like recognizing your own potential and like trusting yourself and trusting your intelligence and your intuition and your existing knowledge that you can like do something that you might not be totally familiar with. 
So if you have imposter syndrome, just like don't let it get to you and spend your time doing your research about things you're uncomfortable with because I guarantee you there's not a person on this planet who knows every single thing about audio. And on the flip side to that, if there's something that you want to know that you don't know, there are classes, man. They exist, you oh, know, like, yeah. and they're, and they give you free classes sometimes. Like, I got to go do, um, a digital training. Okay. I'm like, so jealous. Just, I wanted to go so bad. Oh, yeah, that's so good. I've never son. put my hands on a Digico oh. and I want to oh, so badly. It was such a beautiful experience. I'm not going to oh. lie. And they had like three of the four different Digico boards there too. So you got to like, potentially touch four different boards if you that's amazing it was heaven but my point is is that it was a free class you know and people do free trainings all the time and if they're not free then there are people out there who are willing to help sponsor you and i think that that's something that um, has really helped me as well in being in austin is that i learned that there were classes to go to like we did a sure training once and that was was awesome did you go to the one at emo's no, there was one at Emo's? Yeah, oh, there okay. was one at Emo's. Yeah. <laughs> it was, okay, y'all, uh, listeners, I went to this Sure training. It was a wireless masterclass. Um, it was free, and they gave us food. Like, go to these classes. They gave go. you free food. They'll feed you. Hey, we got barbecue at the Digico one. What did y'all have? We had, um, we had South American food. I forget, like, which specific South American country, but it was wonderful. Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that's, like, random, but, like, I love food. I think, like, in, like, another life, I probably would have been a foodie yeah. because I genuinely love food. And, like, one of my favorite things is to bake. Aww. And so, like... Like the holidays are coming up. Like, oh my god! Yeah. I don't know when this is gonna go live, but I'm gonna tell you now. It's like almost Christmas, okay? <laughs> and um, I bake for my family. Like that's like Aww. the big thing that I contribute to all situations. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a birthday. I'll bake you a cake. You, it's 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 Thanksgiving. There's pies, cakes, cookies. Like yeah. my mom has a Christmas party every year for our family, and I'm baking all of the desserts for it. And so, like. That that's the reason why I'm like, oh, what did you guys eat? Because yeah. I'm like all about the food life. Okay, so see now I know that like if I ever wanted Tangela to teach me something, I could say thank you to Tangela by buying her like lunch or something. Yes. So see, yes, like can. we can exchange mentorship for food, go. and like I don't know what I could exchange with you, but. You know, hey, figure it out. But my thing is, is that in terms of mentorship, that's also all it takes. Like. Asking somebody, let me buy you coffee. Let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a meal. And I know that that sounds like daunting because you're like, oh, I don't have money like that. But I think that like, oh, I, I'm not going to lie. Okay. I took somebody out for a mentorship because I was like, I want to talk audio with you, but I don't have a lot of money. And I had a coupon. Okay. It was buy one meal, get a meal free. Okay. That. And I spent $10 <laughs> for us two people to eat because I had a coupon. And um, I think that, uh, you know, like that's also like acceptable. People know that like when you're on the rise or you're trying to learn that that's like a thing. Um, But yeah, so like if you if you want to bribe me with food, I I am open to it. I I will not lie to you. Well, when I first came (laughs) here, it's so funny. Like I love the the camaraderie that we have as women doing audio Um, because when I first came here, have you interviewed Willa? She's on my list. Okay. She well, actually, because I work with her at Bass. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, so we're over at Bass together, and now she's freaking moving up in the world, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I would love, love for her to be on it. But she is so busy. Yeah. That it's like, 
almost impossible right now. <laughs> I just remembered though, like when we were talking about food, I remember when I first came to town, I met Willa through Facebook, another shout out to Facebook, um, and networking that way or just social media in general. Um, but I met her and we got to chatting and she took me out to tea and cookies and it was so sweet cause I was going to pay for it. And she totally like treated me to lunch and like, she's been like such an angel and it's always so nice that like, I feel like I can text her or there's another woman um, in town named Song Lee who is such a badass and something blew in my venue the other day and the first person I texted was song I was like hi can you help me um so yeah it's really nice to like establish that kind of camaraderie and I mean you can you know you can have it with men or like non-binary people or you know like whoever you can establish that kind of relationship with anybody ever but it's for some reason for me I just feel so comfortable having that with women and just being like I feel like we don't judge each other, you know, like within this field, I feel like we all are so supportive of each other. And I mean, I guess I feel that kind of camaraderie with also with non-binary people and not to like say that I never feel that with men. It's just, I've had some experiences with men, but it's, it's like with people who are not men, I feel so much less judged and so, uh, so much more free to ask the questions that I need to ask and, you know, get things out in the open and just, like, be helped or help other people or whatever it is. And it's, like, it's really nice. I'm really glad that there's a community of us and that we've connected through things like Sound Girls and, you know, whatever it is. Like, oh, also, listeners, if you have not signed up for Sound Girls, do it. Yes. Sound Girls is the best thing ever. And it's super easy. It's literally just your email. Yeah. <laughs> and anybody can sign up. It's not just for women. Anybody can sign up. And... There's um, networking groups and there's events and there's all sorts of fun stuff that you can do. And I've taken advantage of a, of as many of them as I can and I need to do more. Um, but yeah, that was like another one of the first things I did when I moved here. Um, I worked with Willa and Song at um, – there's a an organization in Austin called Boss Babes. And we did an event for them and this band played and uh, – well, there was a whole day with like a bunch of bands and then there was a, a night that was like a film showcase with one band that played and we had so much fun together and we like totally did it for free and it didn't even matter because we were just having like the best time together yeah. and like getting to know them was really awesome and now they're two good friends of mine. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, um, I feel like that's like the theme of this chat, by the way, has been uh, yeah. <laughs> mentorships and community, which is great because I think that sometimes a lot of things that people don't necessarily take into consideration, like they feel like they have to go it alone. And I mean, yeah. if you want to go it alone, you can. I mean, I wouldn't personally recommend it because I think it makes life just a little bit more harder. Like I don't, I think that more harder. Yeah, <laughs> makes it harder, not more harder. That's words not are, accurate. Words are difficult. <laughs> it makes it difficult. Um, but I feel like when it comes to like having a community, having people, knowing people, being um, open and having that connection with humans, with with people who are around you, it makes it a lot easier to to go through these things. Um, yeah. And so, I know, like for me, I was like chilling with myself, trying to figure out life. And then I met this guy and, 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 and I think that it's also important to say that like, if you don't feel comfortable having like mentorships or being connected, um, in that way to, to guys, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
Um, and that's okay. Like that's like one of those things that you can have a preference one way or the other and that's okay. Because when you are mentoring with somebody, like especially if it's like an ongoing thing, then that's really you being in a position to really get to know somebody. And sometimes you don't want to get to know certain people like that yeah. and that's okay. Um, so I don't like, so if you like met somebody and they're like, and they don't make you feel comfortable, then, but they are offering you something, I think it's okay to like turn it down. Um, yeah. if that's not for you, just saying. But, um, for me, like I, one of my favorite people that I met when I moved to Austin, his name was Maurice and I loved him with all of my heart. Um, because he shoved me so hard. Yeah. He was like, Tangela, get it together. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, you were capable. You were smart. You can do this. And I met him because we started working at a hotel together doing AV. And okay, so to me personally, AV is super boring. Now, if that's like a thing for you, then great. Have at it. Good for you. But for me, it is so boring sometimes. Like sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. So we had a lot of downtime. And so in that downtime, we would talk and he's like, why are you not doing more? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not. Nah. And he was like, Tangela, what do you mean? And I remember like we had this whole conversation one day while setting up everything for this ballroom scenario thing that was happening. And and we're like, and it's just, just the two of us in this room and we're doing it. And he's like, why aren't you doing more? And I'm like, I'm doing because I don't know the stuff. And he's like, can you do sound and, and not have feedback? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Okay. Do you, do you know the difference between, you know, XLR cable, quarter inch, you know, balance, unbalanced, microphone, a soundboard? Yeah. He's like, do you know the three different types of bands? Like, do you know high me? Like, what, like, what, do you know these things? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, then why aren't you doing more? And I remember like being like, I, I don't know. Because I didn't think yeah. I could. And he Dude, was sometimes like, Sometimes you really just need somebody to kick you in the ass. Yes. For a second. And like, he did it. And I was like floored. And I remember going home and being like, Why the hell am I not doing more? And I was like, What else do I need to know? And so I think sometimes it's also really great um, that even if you're not being mentored by people, having people who, allowing people to speak truth into your life, yeah. even just by existing around you. Because I remember he figuratively, slapped me in the face okay he did not literally slap me okay (laughs) but I remember just being like floored after that and I remember it changed my trajectory a lot because I had I was open to somebody speaking into my life even if it was uncomfortable for me to have somebody call me out and not but it's that imposter syndrome thing again where it's like you sometimes really need that like outside validation in order to believe that you know what you're doing. And it's like, it sucks that it is that way. And I get, I have that problem a lot where like, even sometimes when people tell me like, they'll give me like really nice compliments or whatever it is. And I like still can't bring myself to fully believe them. And I have to like spend a lot of time with myself, like thinking about like how to circumvent that and how to not feel that way about myself, because I know that I'm not going to take the opportunities presented to me if I keep you know, not pushing myself and not um, trusting that the nice things that people are saying to me are true, you know? And it's like, I don't know if you have this problem and like, sometimes I feel like it might just be a me problem, but like you probably get it too because you're pretty like feminine presenting where it's like, do you ever feel like people are sometimes just giving you compliments because they think you're pretty? Oh yeah. 
it sucks. It's this thing we have to worry about, and it sucks so much. So, listeners, I know that you can't see what I look like. Um, I'm a very feminine presenting person. I'm one of like the more feminine looking people in town who does this job. Um, so I, a lot of the time think that people compliment me only because they're surprised that I actually know what I'm doing because of the way that I look. Um, and it used to be even worse. I used to have hair like down to my knees and I was like full makeup all the time. Um, so I've like toned it down a little bit and I don't know if that's like because of the job or not. Um, but I, oh my God, I remember when I first started working. So the first club I ever worked at was called Bedlam, which is where, um, my mentor John, uh, worked and taught me everything. And... I just remember we had a spiral staircase and I would be like running up the spiral staircase in my little skirt and heels all the time. And like everybody thought I was so weird (laughs) for like dressing that way for work. But I really was trying to prove a point where it's like, yeah, I can do anything you can do and I can do it in a freaking skirt. Like have at it, you know, and now it's like I don't feel the need to prove that point so much anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't really feel the need to like look that way just for work anymore um but it was kind of fun while it lasted you know like it was a good time (laughs) well i'm not gonna i like clothes i'm i love clothes i like putting together outfits that make people kind of look like well it's not for them it's for me in my head i'm like this looks amazing but other people look at me like what did you do (laughs) <laughs> and why and I'm like but this was the best outfit ever and I love it and I love it with all my heart I love clothes like if I go out into the world I'm usually very well dressed yeah and then people I remember the first time I met Amanda she was like Tangela hmm and I was like I just don't understand why people don't take me seriously she's like well there's a psychology to that and then she like broke it down for me and she's like you know sometimes it's just a little things like do you have dirty tennis shoes? And I was like, no, all of my shows are clean. And she's like, well, and like, I, I like the first time I met Amanda, no lie. Okay. I'm wearing this tomato red A-line skirt that looks like it's from like the fifties. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I had, uh, it was a green shirt with a tan belt that had brown on it that clasped in the front. That had bronze on the front of the belt. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It was the best outfit ever. And I had on these sage blue heels that look like they're also from like the 50s. Okay. I was very 50s-esque the first time I met Amanda. And she was like, you look too pretty. I mean, she didn't say it that way. But (laughs) it was definitely one of the messages that... Like, I was like, I just don't understand people taking me seriously. Like, when I go in for interviews and I look nice and da 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 she's like, well, you don't look like a sound engineer. And I was yeah. like, what, is, what, is, what does that even mean? And she's like, right. well, you don't look like a sound engineer. You look like somebody who should be going to interview for corporate America. Now, granted, this is not exactly how she said it. This is all yeah, tangible edition yeah. of what she said. This is how I took what she said, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going home and being like, I don't dress like that ever, though, because I don't want to look homeless. <laughs> Like in my mind, that's what like yeah. And in and then I realized that that's stupid. Like <laughs> like not that not that that all sound people look homeless, and not that you should look homeless or whatever. But I just remember sitting down and evaluating how do I look, mm-hmm. and and putting a lot of stock in that for a long time. Yeah. And then I realized something that was crucial to me and it was like that doesn't matter 
Like it shouldn't matter what you look like. It shouldn't matter if you are pretty or not. It doesn't matter if you look homeless or not. What matters is your talent. And can you make your talent speak for you? And when I took that after our conversation that we had, that's what I took away from it was that ultimately, no matter what, I need my talent. I need my skills to speak for themselves. And everything else is just icing on the cake. That is my awesomeness. And when I took that home, then I started realizing that the trajectory in which I presented myself to the world and was like, I can do this job changed because my confidence didn't stem from clothes in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. It stemmed from me believing in myself yeah, and, and having important. that. And, 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 and that conversation with her helped me find that because I, I didn't realize I was like, chilling over here being like yeah well it sucks because you know it is it's a job first of all and it's also a job where you have to be active and you have to be able to lift things and you need to be wearing something practical and you know so like we sacrifice some personal expression which is fine because you do that at a lot of jobs anyway but it's you know because it's such a personal thing it's music and it's you know it's art we feel like we should be able to dress how we want And I just remember in college, like, having, you know, like I said earlier, like, I was the only woman in all of my classes, and I just had this weird feeling around me all the time because of comments that people would make about the way that I look or the way that I dress or, you know, whatever it was that I just had, like, a this, like, I don't want to be pretty anymore. Like, I don't want to be pretty if it means I won't be taken seriously. And now it's like, no, I want to do both. Like, I want to be pretty and I want to be taken seriously. And, like, I can do that in a way – that fits my job. And part of it isn't a me problem. Part of it is largely a society problem where for some reason we think that women can't be both hot and competent at the same time. And we can, and most of us are. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, that was definitely a struggle for me for a while where it was like, I don't want people to say that I did a good job just because they like the way that I look and they want an excuse to talk to me. And like, even when I first started working here in Austin, I, I kind of had that feeling where it was like, are people just saying that they like my work because of the way that I look? And it was, I don't know, it was a lot. And now I've finally gotten to the point within the past few months where I'm like, okay, there's no way that everybody could just be saying this because of that. Like there's, you know, like people aren't just complimenting me because I'm good for a girl or whatever it is. That was in air quotes for listeners at home, Um, which is a phrase I hate so much. I'm sure all of y'all do too. Um, But yeah, like, you know, it was, I think it was more about that than about the way I look was I don't want compliments just because I'm good for a girl or, you know, better than they thought I was going to be for the way that I look or whatever it is, you know, because like there's, girls out there who do sound who don't look anything like me and we you know we come in all shapes and sizes and we all do this and like some people are just more accepted than others based off of the way that they look and so I didn't want to think about that anymore and now it's like I rarely do and it it took a little while but it's like not everybody would be saying this to me if they only meant it for that reason and if they are then there are those people I'll take your compliment and go the other direction like I I don't think that there's anything wrong with accepting the compliment, saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go over there. Uh, Like, like you don't have to, like, because I know for me, like, 
I've always been uh, naturally sassy. Uh, I've always been uh, naturally slightly attitude-ish um, uh, to some people. Uh, and, and so I know for me, I will. I used to take those compliments, say things like, oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. In this weird Southern Belle voice for some ungodly known reason. I don't know why. Every time I did it, though, in this exact way, yeah. I say, Oh, thank you. Just bless your heart. And then I would walk away. Oh, my God. Every single time. And it became like a staple for me. And so I think that there's, I used to be like, you know what? They felt the need to go out of their way to say something to me. So regardless of why they did it, they did it. And so I would take that as like, it was my way of trying to turn something that could be a negative into a positive. And it was my way of trying to um readjust to that because that's hard it's hard to have people only want to talk to you because they think that you're attractive or because they want whatever it is that they want from you mm-hmm. and so for me anytime that that would happen to me i tried to turn that negative into a positive and the best way that i knew how to do that was to thank you in this weird southern bell voice and then walk away and then just and then just leave it at that I, I I didn't think about why you did it. I did not care why you did it. The point was is that I was complimented and then I went away and then that was it. And so um, I think that uh, if you do have that insecurity, finding a way to deal with it in the best possible way for you yeah. is like really important because I think that that if you can't, if you find that you can't, um, take an insecurity or a negative or whatever and spin it, then it has the potential to chip away at you and it has the ability to, to wear you down over yeah. time. And that is just not good. You and know? I think that might be too like a partially part of my problem, which is that like, I don't know if I've ever explicitly been told by anybody like, oh, you're pretty good for a girl. I think that a lot of the time I just assume that that's what they meant because of like the way that they said it or so like some other weird way that they had treated me or, you know, something else that happened. And like maybe I need to stop assuming that people mean it in that way when they say things like that because maybe they don't. Like maybe they're really just genuinely trying to give me a nice compliment and I'm like spinning it in the wrong way because like I expect people to be kind of crappy yeah. in certain situations. But like – I don't know if I went back and took all of the times that I'd ever like assumed otherwise from a compliment, I might feel a lot better about myself now. Um, And yeah, like I said earlier, like lately it's not so much of a problem. Like lately I'm really genuinely willing to believe when people say something nice to me, they don't have any like ulterior motive about it or like they genuinely mean what they're saying and they're not just saying it out of like obligation. Um, yeah, and I didn't mean you specifically. Yeah, I no. meant, just to be clear, you, ambiguous you, you, human Yeah, person. no, it just resonated yeah. with me when you said that. I was <laughs> like, damn, maybe I need to, like, stop assuming the worst in people. I think it's just because of some of the experiences that I had in college with the things that were said to me that I still kind of, like, side-eye everybody a little bit and, like, don't totally trust people. And, like, listeners, don't let that shit get to you. Like, people are going to say – dumb stuff and it really is not a reflection on you it's a reflection on them and their inability to see past whatever it is that they're talking about like you know like your talent does not depend on anything other than your talent you know like 
it's nothing else matters in those kind of situations. And so if I hadn't let myself like let that get to me so much, and obviously it's not on my fault because there are certain things people just shouldn't say and it's not cool to say. Um, but you know, when things like that happen, it's just remember, it's really not a reflection on you. I also think, um, with a lot of things like I, so it has been told to me recently, uh, that, uh, my optimism is soul crushing. <laughs> Wait, I love that. So I think that for me, it's just part of my personality is yeah. just to be, I guess, soul crushingly optimistic <laughs> and positive. Like <laughs> I was told the other day, which I think is awesome. I think that's yeah. like probably like that's like the, the best compliment, best compliment I could have ever had. And I know that like the person who said it to me, he's just ah, oh, I love him. He's so great. And so to be told that was just like one of those things that I was like. I'm going to start saying that because I love the imagery of being soul-crushingly positive or soul-crushingly optimistic. I think that is way better than sort of the world that we sometimes live in, which can be incredibly negative and which can be incredibly damaging to who you are as a person. And I think that, like, I take being positive and optimistic over being told, man, you're a narcissistic ass. You know, Like, like, that would suck. I'm not quite as much of a ray of sunshine as you are, um, but I was told the other day, and actually somebody wrote me a very nice compliment in Sound Girls about it, the same person who said this to me, but he goes, I love that you don't hate your job like all the other sound engineers I work with. He's just like, I hate when I feel like somebody hates their life when I'm working with them. And I was like, cool, at least I don't give off that vibe. And then he wrote me a really nice compliment. He was very sweet um, in Sound Girls. But yeah, it's like, it's little things like that where it's like, we're like, we're a new generation of sound people too. So it's like, you know, we're not the grumpy guys who can't hear above 10K anymore, who don't want to be there and are getting paid in beer. Yes. You know, like, don't ever pay me in beer. Okay. Like, we're not them. And so, like, it's it's nice to be acknowledged, too, that things are changing. Like, even when somebody's just acknowledging me, like, I know it's not just me. Like, I know that there's more of us out there. So it's it's nice to feel like we're creating a better world to facilitate live music and for, you know, really fun shows to happen and for really cool things and for new technology. And so when I get, like, a comment like that where it's like, wow, I love that you don't seem like you hate your job. I'm like, yeah, I don't because we shouldn't. You know, and nothing against the grumpy old guys who have been doing this their whole lives. Like, that's cool, too. I mean, like, you got every right to be grumpy. Sometimes things are not as great. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's fun that we get to be, you know, young people kind of changing the industry. Also, I think it's our generation in general. I don't feel like generations before us were like, yeah, just go find what you love and do it. Although – Saying find what you love and do it is way more complicated than that. If somebody tells you that, ask them what do they mean by that because that is unfair advice. Okay, it's also very misleading. But um, what? (laughs) Because there's more to it than just what do you love. There's there's so much more to it than that. The slogan for my school that went bankrupt was "It's time to do what you love." So I just figured I should put that out there while we're on this. Oh my god! (laughs) And and then they went bankrupt. No, just kidding. I, just, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, but what I what, what I'm what I, I love that that was the saying. Yeah, that was so awesome. It's that just threw my brain for a complete loop because I love that. <laughs> um, 
Oh my gosh, where was I going? What was I saying? I don't even know anymore. I think it's unfair to tell people just do what you love. Yeah, but there was something more to it than that. And I lost it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> we're talking about do what you love. And there was a purpose for it. I don't remember. I don't remember at all. But it is unfair to say that to people. Yeah, oh, no, we're a new generation. That's what it was. Yeah, I found it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because we're a new generation of people. I feel like before now, people were like, oh, you just go find a job that you moderately like. Mm-hmm. Meh. And you do it. And then... That's that's like your day job, but every other moment of your time is do what you actually want to be doing. Yeah. And although that that's that's fine too. I mean, you, if you want to do that, that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that previous generations, that's what they did. Yeah. They also sold this sort of American dream of you go and you work for a company and you spend you know forty years doing it, and then you retire and you get married in your twenties and you have like you know, 2.5 babies and, (laughs) you know, you live in your house with your white picket fence and, you know, that's just what you do. And so that message was what a lot of people did for years. And, and that works for some people, but I think that our generation and, and the generation behind us, what are they? The Gen Z's, I think is what they're being called. Technically, I think I'm Gen Z. Are you Gen Z? I think so. I was born in 97, so. I thought that you were still part of the millennials. I don't know. It's debatable. I, look, I don't care. The point is, <laughs> whatever they're called. <laughs> I think that that's like the thing that is different is that, uh, <laughs> they're springs. I keep hitting them. Um, <clears throat> That's the thing that's different from our generation versus previous generations is that we've been encouraged, you know, in our little worlds to be more than we've been encouraged to be the special snowflakes, you know, and I mean that in a positive way, not the negative way that the Internet (laughs) uses it as Um, that we were encouraged to be unique and individuals and we were encouraged to go out and find something that made us happy and then pursue that versus previously. I don't think that was like as um as uh encouraged so now so those people whether they loved audio or not back then i don't know i mean yeah. i'm sure at some point they probably did love what they were were doing and then just became jaded over time but i also think that there was a lot of people who just they got a job and they stuck with it because yeah. they didn't know to do anything else because that's what was encouraged of them and then you know they have families and they have kids and kids need braces and then they got to go to college and you know like you just have all those things and us were I think we're really fortunate to be like encouraged to do more than that we're encouraged to go out and find something that makes us happy we're encouraged to go out and be our unique individual selves whatever that looks like and I don't know. I think that's part of why the industry is changing in the way that it is, is because, yeah. you know, in that encouragement, women are also encouraged more, I think, oh, to sure. to do more, to to pursue things that, you know, wasn't necessarily considered what women should be doing, right? Like a lot of women went to college in like the 50s and the 60s to get their MRS degrees, you know, like they weren't going to college to actually learn anything useful. Like, I mean, 
I'm sure they learned useful things, but you know that that that's just the the stereotype, right? Yeah. Was that yeah you you go to college so you can meet a man who's in the business and finance or you know whatever, and then you get married and you buy a house and you pop out the babies and you quit doing whatever secretarial job you were very doing. Mad Men, you know, it was kinda. very Mad Men, yeah. very Mona Lisa smile, you know, with yeah. Julia Roberts, like that was like what people believed to be the thing, and and now that's not as true. You know, like I know, like with my mom, especially, she was like, if you're going to do it, the only thing that you need to know is how to work hard, get like be good at communicating and then have a drive. Like if you are not doing like whatever you do in life, you have to do those three things. And if you're doing those three things, have at it. And that was sort of the message that I got out of it. So I think that's why we're in a position to be able to like foster change. And I think there's the the audio world. There's the more big picture thing of like the gig economy now where it's like you don't – a lot of us don't get – I don't know if I should call it a privilege or not because for some people it's a great thing and for some people it's not. But you don't get that thing where you just have one job that you do every day. Like for me, like I work at two venues on a regular basis and then I you know freelance on the side at however many other venues or organizations or production companies need me and you know I have a day job um and it's that thing too where it's like you really can't be put in a box like that anymore because economically it's kind of impossible unless you get really lucky with a singular you know well-paying job it's just like it's really hard to do and in some ways it's really nice right because you can do the thing you're passionate about by night where you know if you want to do audio you mix a show on the weekend or you know on Fridays or whatever and then you go back to your desk job or whatever you do during the day and like that part of it is nice because it's not so all or nothing where it's like you either have to be the best at this so you can do this full time or you don't get to work at all it's like you can be somewhere in the middle and be figuring things out and still learning and still work, which is really, really special. And, you know, in some ways it sucks because, like I said earlier, like financially, it's not always great for everybody to be having multiple jobs and not having them communicate with each other and make sure you're making a living wage. Um, and then there are people who don't have that problem and still get to do the thing. It kind of just depends on what city you live in and how often you're working. Um, but yeah, it's it's special in the way that you don't have to be like a total pro to get started anymore. You know, you don't have to like, cause like I went to college for this um, because there was no other way I really could have learned it. And that was just my situation. Like I know tons of people who do this and were able to be like self-taught or had a friend or a family member who did it. And that's how they learned. And like, that's awesome. That just wasn't what happened for me. Um, But yeah, like you don't have to do what I did anymore. Like You don't have to fully go to college and like get the degree and spend all that money. Like you can just do it on the weekends as a hobby or as like a side gig and fall in love with it that way. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the differences as well. It's like, you know, like back in the day, especially like in the 70s and stuff, if you wanted to get into recording, you had to basically – beg somebody to let you buy them, like go around and be their assistant and buy coffee and get food. And you had to be the, and then maybe they'd let you wrap a cable. 
eventually. And then after wrapping a cable, they might let you set up a microphone. And then after you set up a microphone, they might let you, you know, do these like little things. And then over time you learn that way. And I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about modern technology and one of the more complicated things about modern technology. Cause then you run into people who are like, I can do audio. And you're like, sweet Jesus. No, yeah. you can't. You, you, you need somebody to help you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I remember being in college too. And like to bring back, sorry, I keep bringing it up, but I enjoy talking about this kind of the gender disparity thing. But, um, Especially, the, you know, it's a podcast about women in audio. Let's, yeah, I mean, let's, come thing. let's be um, honest. I mean, it's literally the name, Women in Audio. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but with that, it was like, you know, anybody can learn it, but I don't like the idea that I can stand next to a man who, like, makes beats on his computer at home. Not saying that that's not valid or, like, worthy of recognition, but it's not uh, to the level that we do it, you and I. Um I don't like that I could stand next to a man who does that and have him call himself an audio engineer and me say the same thing and somebody would assume that he's better than me because he's a man, you know? Mm, yes. Which happened to me a lot in college. There were, like, people in my classes that uh, I was obviously more skilled than them and uh, we would get the same level of recognition or, like, treated like we were one in the same just because we were in – the same classes or like he would get treated with more respect than I would because, you know, it was just assumed that he must know what he's doing more than I do because he looked more the part. And that was frustrating for me. And I remember working my ass off in college for that recognition and then finally getting it. And it was so, oh, it was so nice, you know, like, and it sucks because it is true. We have to work twice as hard to get half the recognition. Like it's definitely true. Um, at least from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, like it's, it can be rewarding too, but I, I don't like the idea sometimes that it's so open that anybody can do it, that we all just kind of get assumed to be the same skill level when we're not. No, no, we're not. And I, I think that people are starting to learn that, right? Mm -hmm. Because say it. Say what you want I, to say. I, I, <laughs> she's got I wanna, this look on her face like she's going to say something saucy. No. <laughs> My whole life is me saying them saucy. Um, no, I – okay. So I just remember when – okay. So when I first went to college, I went to a school um, for audio engineering. But mm -hmm. specifically, it was recording. Um, uh, I went to Dallas Baptist University for three years. Um, and then I left Dallas Baptist University and moved to Austin. And then I went to Texas State and I graduated with a degree in applied mathematics. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And then I have like a bunch of minors and stuff, but that's not really important right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I got a piece of paper. Thank you. <laughs> that says that I did something. Yeah. Um, okay. But while I was at DBU, uh, Dallas Baptist University, um, one of the things that I struggled with was that, um, and not because of the school itself, this was outside of the school, it was just that time period in life when I was trying to find how to become an audio engineer and stuff like that. I would, one of the things that I did, thanks to my mom, is she, we would go to like festivals that they had in, in DFW and ask she would push me to go ask the audio engineers about what they do. 
Oh, wow. And ask them. Yeah. And I mean, and I remember being like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Can't. Right. And she's like, yes, you can. And you will. You can and you will. You want to be successful? This is what we're going to do. And, <laughs> and I know not everybody has a mom like me, okay? My yeah. mom is, is, is a unique individual she in that. Great. And I love her for it. But one of the things that I struggled with was when I was doing these things and I would go and I would talk to like my friends at school about it. They were like, oh, I don't have to do any of those sort of things. I just, you know, email somebody and da, 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 and they respond. Mm -hmm. But if I just emailed somebody with the same list of qualifications, like these people were just as new to this stuff as I was. Like we were all in the same plane playing field you know like nobody was higher up than anybody we were same classes at the same time doing the same things and I would talk about it and I remember being frustrated because we had this one project and what we had to do was we had to we pulled out of a hat different audio studios like different like whether it was live venue recording if it was recording it was a small a recording studio versus a home studio versus, you know, large studio versus small venue, large venue, whatever. And you pulled out of a hat a particular um, place where type of audio engineer would be. And you had to go inter- find somebody and interview them. Oh, wow. And I had the hardest time getting somebody just to email me back. Which one did you get? So I could tell them. I ended up getting... um Home studio that time. Oh, really? Home studio recording was that one. Um, And then another year I got large audio venue. But large audio venues are hard in general because they're large audio venues and they get emails all the time. But uh, (laughs) but for this, I had the hardest time with with just getting anybody interested in our project Mm -hmm. because I I would tell them, hey, I'm in school. I'm doing this and da, 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 da. This is what, what, you know, I would like to do an interview with you, like talk about what you do and stuff like that and come see where you work or whatever. And they we're just like not having it. People were just not having it. And if I ever got somebody on the phone or I finally managed to talk to them, when I got to them, the interview was garbage. So I ended up not being able to use it. Yeah. And so, and, but then, and this is the part that I was kind of like, I don't know if I should say, I interviewed a guy mm. for my project. Mm-hmm. Okay. The same person reached out, another person reached out to him. Okay. He was a dude. So my interview was garbage. I asked all the right questions. Okay. I, I am an overly prepared student. Okay. I was like, I got all the questions. I have all, I had lists. I had everything written out. I was very detailed in, in what I wanted to know. And I would get answers like, yeah, you know, you just put the gear together and you know, no, 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 no. And like, just sort of blow off answers. The same person interviewed him the same day, but like two hours later. Okay. Cause he was my ride. That's the only reason why I know that this was two hours later. So he was at a coffee shop doing his thing by himself. And then I did my interview and then he picked me up, took me to the coffee shop that he was at. And then he went back to do his interview. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't drive at the time. Same person two hours later. And he gave him all of the answers. Was it the same question? Same questions. Yeah. And I mean, so, part of me wants to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe he just had more time to think about it because he already heard the questions. But like, I mean, not like, I mean, they weren't exactly worded the same, but yeah. the same general gist. I mean, we're college kids. We're not that unique. Yeah. <laughs> but like, the point is, 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 is just that like, that experience is real. Yeah. And that experience happens. And sometimes it can be disheartening yeah, to sure. have that. 
and I don't know. It's it's so yeah. So I do think that there is there is um, in a lot of people's minds, and I don't know, know they necessarily mean for it to be a thing, but they do have these biases that are like ingrained in yeah. them, and you do have to overcome those sometimes. And sometimes there's some people just they're not they're just not going to overcome their bias, and you have to like cut your losses in some ways. Yeah. But then there are a lot of people, I think, who are out there and they're trying to change those biases because they didn't know that they had them, you know, and they didn't know that those were like a thing. Yeah. And like I certain biases, as much as I think that we shouldn't have like prejudice or bias against really anybody for any reason, um, like it's really not practical this day and age to believe that that's possible. And so like from that standpoint, I see why people might have their biases against me or, like, might assume things about me. Um, because, honestly, like, you know, you, you've seen who else works in town. They're, like, kind of big, scary-looking dudes who are, like, in their 40s and have been doing this forever. And then I walk up and I'm this, like, little tiny 22-year-old girl and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be doing your sound today. And people kind of get a little look of panic on their face sometimes. And it's like, you know, like, because of the world we live in, I get it. I just think that people need to actively work harder on on getting rid of those biases because i get why they would exist but they don't just exist naturally either you know like you have to have formed an opinion about what somebody who does this job should look like in order to have that kind of reaction and like i really really do appreciate the fact that we're getting so much farther now because even what was it like three, four years ago when I was in school? Like, I don't even want to repeat some of the things that were said to me um, in my classes and around town because they were very inappropriate and kind of, you know, like they're scarring things that people say. It's like, you know, dumb stuff. But it's, um, I do appreciate like the difference between even three or four years ago and right now. Like, I feel so much more respected and welcomed and you know all of the nice things that i can say about the community like it's it's getting so much better so quickly um so for anybody who's listening and feels discouraged by like what i was saying like having really negative things or like sexist things or whatever kind of you know crappy stuff has been said to you um in this field like you can't do this job or whatever it might be like it's getting so much better so quickly that like give it two years and I'm sure people will stop saying that kind of stuff to you for good. Cause I really like, yeah, since moving here, I've hardly heard any of that stuff said to me. I also think that helps that Austin is a more progressive city. Mm -hmm. That's the word progressive. Um, I feel like not that conservative cities are out there being rude to folks. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong on that. But I think that one of the things that helps in facilitating, um, a more positive working environment is that first off, there were women here before, like mm -hmm. who have been killing it in Austin being oh sound God, engineers yeah. for, you know, 20 years, 30 years before we ever came along and they have been killing it. Yeah. We have some badass women here. They are so amazing. And I think that helps is having a city that had that previously laid foundation. But then second, that the people around here are more um, progressive in their thought processes yeah. in a lot of ways. And that the city itself is just 
more open to change. And I think that that helps a lot of it. So I think that like, if you are, at least for me, like that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about moving here. And also a little like (laughs) about moving here was just that it is so forward moving in a lot of ways. And, and I think that that's a huge help, um, to, to, to the atmosphere of it all. Um, so I think that like, if, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to say, I don't want this to come out wrong, but I also think there's an element of you have to develop slightly thicker skin than oh. you would want. So yeah. like, and I don't mean that to say that you just take people abusing you. Do not yeah, do that. No. Do not just lay down and let people use you as a doormat and abuse you or whatever, because that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that there's a level of, um, you know, resistance that you have to have yeah, to sure. to the negativity that happens around you sometimes. Because even though we're moving forward as a country, as a city, as a group of people, humans in the world, um there are still going to be people out there who are not hip to what's going on For in the sure. world, you know, and sure. you're going to have to find a way to deal with them accordingly. And so I, I also think that, that it's also important just to note that and that you need to oh, yeah. be prepared for that. Don't let it destroy you. Just be prepared for that possibility and, and know that that's going to exist and not let it be something that's like a hindrance for you. Yeah, definitely the thing you said about having thicker skin really resonated with me because I remember a time when I was so I was expecting it so much for people to be be crappy to me and like say things that I was kind of like looking for it and waiting for it to happen, you know? And then it was like, you know, I'd be crushing a show and I would still be worried about that kind of stuff. And now it's really fun because I can go to work and, like, even if somebody were to say something to me, I think I'd be just fine. Like, the only things that really get to me are, like, pretty uh, pretty high-level things at this point. Yeah. But, yeah, the minor stuff that got to me back in the day, like, I've I've toughened up to it and, like – like I was saying before, like none of it really should happen, but it does and it's going to. And like, you know, we're like I said, we're moving forward, but it's not immediate. It's not all at once. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're worried about or if you especially if you live in like a more um, conservative place where people are a little bit more like traditional and they're not uh, super hip to women doing whatever the hell they want because we can um, <laughs> just, you know, get ready to uh to have to toss aside some comments if they're made and there's always support groups where you can vent to people like sound girls or you know there it exists and if you just need to vent for a second like talk to somebody it's okay yeah for sure and i also think that um in that you know if you if people live in a place that is more conservative um, they're not quite up to speed to, to, to yeah. things <laughs> and, and that's happening to you. Um, 
also, I think it's, it's a great opportunity to educate people. I think sometimes people, they just don't know that their behavior is perceived a certain way. Oh my God. Yeah. And like for me, and I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a backwards thinker or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Backwards thinker. Who says that? I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but I just said it. So we're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> um, I wouldn't consider myself that, but I do know that like when I was younger, people were like, Tangela, you were really abrasive. And I was like, nah. But when I look back on it and I think about how I talked to people, mm-hmm. I just didn't know that I was abrasive. Like, I just didn't see it, right? Yeah. Until somebody had to point it out to me. Somebody had to point out that the things that I was doing were being perceived a certain way that even though I didn't intend for them to be that way, that's how it was perceived. Oh, yeah. And I think that has more to do with just communications than anything because everybody communicates differently. Everybody takes um, how they communicate differently within themselves because the the way you communicate has a lot to do with your experiences in life right Mm -hmm. and so i think that for a lot of people out there a lot of guys out there or just in general humans they just don't realize that whatever they're saying whatever they're doing is being perceived in a certain way so i also think that just means that maybe extend a little grace and educate people just be like hey you know that comment not really appropriate. Mm-hmm. Hey, this thing, not really okay. Like, I know that you probably don't mean it to come off this way, but this is how this is coming across. Yeah. Because a lot of times people, when you tell them that, they, whether they do it in that moment or not, it does give them something to think about and it causes them to readjust. And usually in that readjustment is, it takes time, but the more that you are able to, you almost kind of become like, the shepherd mm-hmm. in a way, right? And you get to shepherd in new ways to to encourage people to communicate with you. Because yeah. I also feel like that's part of setting boundaries as well, is being like, look, I know that you don't mean this to be this way, but I'm not going to tolerate you saying these things to me. And, and laying that out. I mean, that doesn't have to be some like, look, I don't know who you think you are. Like, this is not how, like, it doesn't have to be that way. But there is a sort of level of, you know what? Let's talk about this. Yeah, it's like a boundary setting type of thing. And I think that's one of the really important things, not just in, like, the way people speak to you in this industry, but, like, in general in this industry is, like, God, set your freaking boundaries. Like, don't overwork yourself. Like, that's a super important boundary. Like, don't work for less than you're worth. Oh, my God. Ladies especially. Do not undersell your services. You're important and you deserve to be paid like just the same as everybody else. And I've seen some stuff go down with that. And it's like, oh, like, okay, we're still, we're still at the pay gap. Like, that's fun. That's, that's not real. what I wanted to deal with. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's an important boundary to set. And like, you know, once you get to a level where you feel comfortable with saying, I won't leave my house for less than this amount of money, like, don't do it. Like, don't leave your house for less than that amount of money because you know what you're worth. That's really important. And like a big boundary um, that I've had to set, I guess, back on the topic of like the way people treat us um, is people touching me. That's a big boundary I've had to set. Um, People, people are weird about, you know, sometimes they're being nice and sometimes they're touching me because they think they can get away with it. And it's like, "Mm, no, you can't. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like, this job, I mean, 
Tangela and I have had years and years, but if you're newer to this, like there's things to think about where it's that you would never think you have to think about. And so like do things like this, like listen to podcasts like this and watch videos and join sound girls and join, you know, your local, um, online communities or in-person communities and meetups and whatever. And like, get all the information you can, because honestly, like this job, like I said earlier, like there's not a single person who knows everything about audio and there's not a single person who can anticipate all of the challenges that we face in any given day. So like really the moral of the story is just like continue to um, take advantage of every opportunity you have to learn and grow and do the thing because it's genuinely the best job in the entire world and like (laughs) do it if you can just do it (laughs) and i think that's a good stopping point on that note thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it having me yeah it's been good